Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Bird Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at birdorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere we find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at... Longhorn Pod on Twitter. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, The Longhorn Republic, or you can follow us on Instagram, Longhorn Republic. Well, my name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every time we grace your podcast feeds. And I'm joined by a man who's glad the Oklahoma governor hasn't instituted a mask mandate, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I am ambivalent to that statement, Gerald. I, I, I do prioritize human beings' health overall and over petty sports but by god if we can backdoor into the big 12 and you know there's nothing more tom herman in the world than sliding in the back door to the big 12 pulling off an upset driving off in his you know 1987 uh souped up camaro just birds on each uh each finger flipping out the window while um i don't know something from uh Let's see. Maybe maybe Guns N' Roses is playing loudly and he pops the collar on his acid wash <laughs> denim uh, jacket and just uh, just just lives the most perfect Tom Herman existence that there is news there, folks. But just just marinate on that image for a moment before we talk about what the heck I'm talking about. There's some sort of hair metal happening, right? Oh, yeah. Anywho, the news is that. The COVID backup, if either of the teams in the Big 12 championship game have to back up or back out, excuse me, of the Big 12 championship game, then it goes to the number three team in the conference. And well, by virtue of a tiebreaker, it would be the Texas Longhorns that slide into that game. So, um, you know what? Maybe Texas will back into a Big 12 championship. That would be the most beautiful thing. That would, like, I, I don't even know, man, like, that would just make and if they win that game not just backing into the game but if they win that game good gravy that would be just the absolute best way to cap the most ridiculous season ever pontiac firebird transam i think that's what i'm picturing him in mm. um yeah maybe def leopard i feel like he's a def leopard guy hair metal but like a little softer um and also, he would absolutely get a fat bonus for meeting one of his, his uh, contract objectives for winning the Big 12, which would just be amazing. Um, I'm all for chaos. Uh, I mean, chaos itself is a ladder. COVID uh, right now is nothing but chaos. But yeah, I I, I want another crack at Iowa State because we should have beat them the first time. And, and I, I think, you know, for the lulls, we would absolutely... Whoever... If it happened the other way around and Iowa State, you know, sicked their way out of it, I don't think there's enough people in the state to be real COVID risk. But if they did, um, then I think we would beat OU. Whoever we play, uh, just for the ridiculous, sheer ridiculous of it, you know Tom Herman would win that game. That would absolutely be the game that Tom Herman won, just to frustrate. <laughs> it would be the most Tom Herman thing in the world right. to win that game. So we, we say all that to talk about uh, Tom Herman and his job. We'll talk about that and the statement from uh, Chris Del Conte, the athletic director. Uh, we've got some football personnel happenings. We've got some players opting out. We've got some players opting in. 
We've also got some down the 40 with basketball news games being canceled. Some country club stuff happened. And then we'll close the show out with some bang the drum. So, uh, Kyle, there was a lot of talk, speculation, all sorts of stuff about the Texas football head coaching situation. We didn't really wade into that. We don't have sources. That's not our bag. We're not really here to um, try to try to eke out and figure out who the coach is. And we don't have sources. We're not. This the scoopers, Gerald. It's a chicken and egg thing. Do I have a source and therefore you pay me nine ninety five, or do you pay me nine ninety five and therefore I have a source? If someone, like I said last week, wants to hit my cash app with nine ninety five, I can come up with a source that will be just as accurate as all the people who've been reporting uh, up to date. Again, no shots fired, but shots fired. Um, <laughs> no, we 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 don't get any speculation business. Um, there are plenty of sites and folks who 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 thrive uh, and very much enjoy that. Gerald and I um, like real news and 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 giving our uh, well healed scholarly. Um, uh, assertions and opinions based on on said news after all of the kerfuffle after all of the scuttlebutt after all of the other words that sound inappropriate but are totally not uh chris del conti came out and made a statement over the weekend uh, about the job status of tom herman it goes like this there's been a lot of speculation about the future of our football coach my policy is to wait until the end of the season before evaluating and commenting on our program and coaches. With the close of the regular season, because Kansas got canceled, I want to reiterate that Tom Herman is our coach. When I look at our football program right now, I see tremendous young men and promising talent. Our student athletes are developing and they play their hearts out. This has been an unprecedented year for all of us, and we're disappointed that we did not meet our expectations. Like many fans that follow and support our program, I can't help but think what could have been in 2020. There's still more work to be done, but I'm excited to watch our players and program move forward. Immediately following that statement, there were two schools of thought. There was a school of thought that said that Tom Herman was back for 2021. There was, there was that immediate school. And then there was the other school that was like, that statement said absolutely nothing whatsoever. There was zero in that statement. So, Reporters got some uh, some confirmation that Tom Herman is likely back for 2021, or at least presumably back for 2021. There's not not anything definitive about it, but all signs point to Tom Herman coming back, in spite of or re- regardless of what's happened so far. So, Kyle, I, I guess the question is like, what does this mean for Texas in the short and kind of long term? In the short term, we don't know that there is a finality a you know it feels more like an ellipsis than a period to me which a period is one of those things you you really only want one at the end of the sentence or it means dot 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 um that's a very great uh analytical english take right there but uh, it feels more like an ellipsis than a period It, it very well could be that for the short, short term, Tom Herman is our coach. That helps recruiting because there's an understanding that no change is happening. You know who you're going to play for. It might also hurt recruiting because you know who you're going to play for, right? And there's there's a debate probably to be had about that. But I think for the short term, there is stability, right? You do know whether you like it, you hate it, you know what it is, right? And I think the uncertainty right now is one of the the biggest banes um, to the recruiting and to the kind of future-looking parts of the program. And also, again, if you are uh, an opposing coach and you are going head-to-head with Texas on a recruit who you're trying to get to come to the campus, um, 
it's very easy. Not only the the things that exist with Tom Herman with any deficiencies um, that they're going to identify with him, but also, oh, and on top of it, you don't even know who they're going to hire. You're going to commit to a school when you don't know who the coaches, who the coordinators are going to be, what offense they run. It's just a very easy sell. We all played NCAA 14. We know how to negative recruit. Um, it, you know, so so right. So this statement is a a very light blanket over the top. I think in an attempt to appease some things right and 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 who asked for the statement to be put out there i don't know was it at cdc woke up one morning and said oh i finally need to comment on that there's no more games i'll give a statement of some sort um did it come from president's side did did herman ask for it did he say you know look you need to give something who knows right i i'm not sure but i think for whatever reason he thought it was best to put that out there um longer term um I think that whatever happens, even if Tom Herman is our coach for 2021, the seat warmth is not changed without 10 wins, right? Like you think that he will coach another season next year without the idea of a pandemic, Lord willing, the creek don't rise, going on and some of those excuses built in and and the expectations will be there. But unfortunately, when you look at, we'll talk about some of the talent that isn't going to be here next year. um, I don't know if this team is going to be uh, inherently better. Let's let's extrapolate this team out. If you played a full schedule, it may be a nine-win team this year. That's right. This was probably a nine-win team that we're going to fire our coach for. So that tells me 10 wins is our bar, and I don't know that next year is a better team. So next year could be an eight or nine-win uh, team. And, and does that mean Herman gets fired? Like, I, I think the Band-Aid is so lightly put on there because everyone knows it hurts when you pull it off. It's just, just, just covering the wound ever so gently. I mean, this statement came out, what, five days before national signing day. So that like that to me is probably the most immediate need for this statement is like, Hey, this, this class isn't great as it is. Like it's a good class. It's a really good class. Like there, there are, you know, probably what, how many teams behind it? hundred ish teams behind Texas that would kill for a class like this. But mm-hmm. Tom Herman's recruiting status, maybe, maybe not, not the on field production, but the last several years have been top class in the conference. And, you know, one of the top 10, top five, five, five even years. Yeah. classes in the, in the country. So this is like behind a little bit of that. So like needing to keep those plates from wobbling and, and even, you know, there's reports that Texas is, is kind of knock, uh, knocking on the doors of some guys that maybe they missed on that, that potentially could have come to Texas. So that uh, stability is, is very helpful. And I think you, you talked about something there, Kyle, like, I don't know what it means for three years down the line. Right. But, I, but if Tom Herman comes back and can win 10 games, can win sure. 11 games, like if he messes around and wins 11 games next year in the regular season, does the, does the not untie for him? Does does and can he turn that into a trend? If he wins, if he again, if he stays next year, wins wins a double digit win total, and you know keeps the losses to a minimum, two or three losses, and then does that a couple of years in a row. Like when it comes contract time, um, there's a, there's a lot to be said about what stability means for Texas, and so maybe year five is it, and that's a ridiculous thing to say, but <laughs> it could be it could be the thing. But I really, as we look at what. Texas is now from a from a coaching standpoint the defensive staff I feel really solid about really confident about um, they've recruited really well when you look at where the numbers are coming from this class is basically all on the defensive side of the ball not all but the majority of the big names on the defensive side of the ball mm-hmm. um, the offense is really where Texas has struggled uh, wide receivers and offensive line I think are the two areas that they're getting beaten up so I wonder if I don't think Coleman gets the heave ho but 
when you look at Herb Hand, the performance of the offensive line, and Texas getting absolutely blasted on the recruiting trail on the offensive line, they missed on all but one of like the top recruits. Like again, Hayden Connor is really the only top recruit on the offensive line group in a, in a in a year that produced both of the Brockermeyer brothers. He's got Savian Bird, who's going to go to SMU over Texas. You've got uh, you've got guys going to OU and A and M that potentially could be. Uh, or should have been at least Texas should have been competitive for, and they weren't. So, like that to me, it's it's in Texas lost a commitment from their from their kind of center in the class at a big spot of need. So, like I wonder if Tom Herman stays around, are there staffing changes on the offensive side of the ball uh, for twenty twenty one? Yeah, Gerald. So I don't speculate that that isn't we we said we're not in that business. We will prognosticate. We will read the tea leaves, analyze, look at the facts available to us when necessary. Um, <clears throat> one of the players that recently decommitted from this class was an offensive lineman. Um, Michael Mislinski was, his father was a, a coach and friend uh, of Herb Hans. Um, he recently decommitted. There are many who could read that to believe that there is one staffing change. And if you remember, we said Herman got one hard reset. He did it last year, COVID pandemic, probably didn't let that have the the, the effect that maybe he would have wanted. Um, but you don't get to do two hard resets, but that doesn't mean that if there's one little piece or you know one little piece here or there that, that you, you shake up. Um, Herb Han, who we love and enjoy and think is a great Twitter, Twitter follow and an entertaining speaker, uh, and an interesting guy, and a, and a guy I would still, you know, not ever hate to cook barbecue and, and crack a crack a beer with, um, but has not probably had the level of success that even he would say he wanted and expected, um, you know, during his time at UT, short as it may be. Um, and so you wonder, does those misses you reference? Does this new decommitment on a player who actually, you know? High floor, low ceiling probably should be how he should be described. Um, does that mean that a change is coming? Um, I don't know. Again, I'm not breaking news here, and I don't think I would be the first to, to hint that this might be the case, but um, th- there, there might be one more tinker um, for old, old, old Tinker Bell, Tom Herman. Um, wasn't that what he said? He just had to uh, sprinkle some uh, some seasoning on top he of the cake. Can't sprinkle some fairy dust. Can't. Oh, he so he is not Tinker Bell. In fact, he can't sprinkle the fairy dust. Never mind. I won't call him Tinker Tom. That will not be a nickname. I won't say Tinker Tom a bunch of times so it becomes a nickname. I won't do that. Um, but I, I do. I do wonder if there is one more Tinker here uh, in this staff, and and what difference you know. Again, this is a short term, long term. What difference that has immediately for next season versus recruiting pipeline down the road. Um, you know, I think that may. Win way heavier right now just just call matt maddox he's right down the road he's been here before 2000 yard rusher guaranteed b john robinson everything lines up it, it makes sense there are some guaranteed changes on the football team uh we've got some opt-outs we've got some opt-ins um we had f- three players opt out since we last joined you uh chris brown is going to not play in the bowl neither will take on graham and joseph osai 
Uh, all three guys are opting out of the rest of the season. Or really, at this point, they're not opting out because there's no more games left. At this point, it's guys saying they're not going to play in the bowl game, which is a routine thing this time of year. Didn't used to be for Texas, uh, but it is because that's just how college football is. So Chris Brown, uh, 46 tackles and interceptions, seven pass breakups. Uh, led the team in flexing. Uh, Taquan Graham, seven tackles for loss, two sacks right behind uh, Joseph Osai. Uh, 16 tackles for loss, five sacks, three forced fumbles. Osai, slam dunk, probably early round. There are some projections that have him high as like, you know, going 15, 20-ish range mm-hmm. in the draft. Uh, TQ got a senior bowl invite, which is usually for those guys who are the middle round guys and, and they're trying to improve, or late round guys trying to improve their stock. Chris Brown, don't know, but you know what? I love to see Texas guys in the NFL. That means that five of the seven captains have opted out for this year after uh, Caden Stearns and, and Sam Cosby uh, made the choice earlier in uh, the the week, I guess two weeks ago after the Kansas game was canceled, you figured this would come, uh, which means that Texas will be with one, just one captain in a potential bowl game, uh, Derek Kerstetter kind of validated the choice for these other guys to uh, opt out after a catastrophic injury against a meaningless game uh, against Kansas State. So Sam Ellinger will be the only captain on the field for Texas in a potential bowl game. So what does this mean for Texas as it prepares for potentially its seventh game of the season in a bowl game um, that may or may not have any meaning? Well, you need a defensive captain. So I think first and foremost, it means that Ellinger is going to get some reps at linebacker. So that's, you know, we'll start right there. Um <laughs> No, I, I, I think, um, look, I, I think you can really overblow the the idea of not having uh, captains. Your captains are usually your best players. It is not anything new, pandemic or otherwise, that many of your best players opt out of bowl games. Look, I, I didn't want to say it too loudly, but um, probably one of the reasons that Texas not only beat but just mollywhopped Utah was they were without two or three of their best players who were looking forward to the NFL draft. Again, not to say that, that wasn't a very quality win uh, for sure, but uh, that has been the case in a lot of um, probably the past three years in a lot of bowls. Uh, oftentimes, if teams do make a marquee level bowl, a, a uh, New Year's uh, kind of six bowl or a, a playoff, um, you don't see that quite as much because you're still playing for something really elite. Um, sometimes there will be your Sam Ellinger's players who just love every the school so much that they can't imagine, you know, and even maybe think their best of their career might be right here and, and they're soaking up every bit of it. Um, again, I, I wish him all the success at the next level for sure. But um, so some combination of that, I think, is probably not surprising. I think no matter what our season was, could have seen, probably predicted at least one, if not two of these guys before the year. We said Osai and Cosme had first round potential. Um, and, and then that hasn't changed, right? Potentially, like we talked about with the sad curse setter status save, uh, it's a, it's a multi-million dollar business decision um, being made there. But anyway, so that's all to say, um, I think without uh, TQ, you'll see some other linemen get in there. I do think we have some good depth uh, there. I think Moro Ojimo is, is a guy who I've really liked the second half of the season and hope to continue to see him um, really take that step forward. I think I think Osai is obviously obviously um, a bigger um, gap, but you have seen the past couple of weeks where teams literally just won't go to his side wherever he's at and schemed away from him. Um, so Texas won't have that luxury necessarily, um, but we'll be curious to see how you know whoever it is who's going to be lining up uh, in his spot steps up at that jack roll. Um, if they try some new guys out there, it's a little late to be to be learning a new position, or if they just bump up uh, who they have on the depth chart now. But um, 
I think that's going to be probably the key one. We don't know who their matchup is, right? We're going to talk about that once we know how it matches up exactly. But I think obviously Osai is the, the biggest loss. Chris Brown, analytics loved him. At one point, he was the highest graded safety, according to Pro Football Focus, in the middle of the season, um, which blew my mind. I, I think he's a good player. I think at times could be a very good player. I thought there were some things that I would have liked to see more from him at various times, and, and I was kind of shocked that analytics loved him as much as they did, but maybe that projects well, right? Brandon Jones is a guy who's absolutely dominating uh, from a rookie per, you know, standpoint in the NFL, a lower-drafted guy who's played well above his draft slot for the Dolphins and been an immediate, um, you know, prize pick for them right they 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 won on that pick because already how much he's um and i could see uh you know chris brown having that a lot of our defensive backs seem to really step up to, to sundays quite well and, and be as good or oftentimes better at the next level than they were here but um but yeah i i think there's there's some talent in this class from texas who are leaving early and you know you wish them you wish them all the luck but uh, i do think luckily defensive back defensive line we have some depth there and i'm excited i'm excited to see alfred if that means alfred collins gets some more snaps and we move some guys around i want to see that two words big al <laughs> now again missing missing tq is going to be a big hit right missing osai huge hit yeah massive hit but there were times this year where you and i talked about wanting to get some of the younger guys reps before before it was really real and so getting some of these guys live fire game reps and full game reps in a situation that I'm going to be really honest with you. Bowl games are glorified exhibitions. That's why I never care when players don't play in them. If it's not for a natty, then it don't matter. Like that's, that's the situation for bowl games. And yes, pride is important. And yes, pride is, I have pride in the university before you tell me to give back my, like my degree, (laughs) I cheer for them. And I dunk on teams when Texas dunks on them in bowl games, love to do it, but they're glorified exhibitions and for guys that already have enough game tape or feel like they have enough game tape doesn't really matter as far as their status. And you and I are never going to be the guys to, to take umbrage with any player making a business decision because, well, college coaches get to opt out of right. these bowl games all the time. <laughs> if they, uh, if they get another job or if they get fired and paid $21 million to not coach <laughs> looking at you, Gus miles on. Um, so like there's, there's a lot, there's a lot on the line for a lot of people, but I'm fine with it. Get these younger guys, some reps, get these younger guys, some full, let me see a full game of Alfred Collins. Let me see what that looks like. Let me get a full game of Jaron Thompson. See what that looks like. Let me get a full game of any one of these highly rated recruits from the previous recruiting classes that Texas could potentially uh, need next year. Now, one guy we do know that's going to be back for 2021, uh, Josh Thompson announced via Twitter that he'd be running it back. Uh, 25 tackles, an interception, and a pass breakup. So, yeah, Thompson said via Twitter uh, Monday evening, early evening, six-ish o'clock that he would be returning for a uh, another season, which not super um, unexpected, but for a secondary that's going to have a lot of uh, a lot of parts that need to again step up. Having a s- experienced guy, a fifth-year guy, in Josh Thompson can't be understated. Yeah, look, uh, Josh Thompson, I think is like the last, if not the last, he's one of the very last. Um, links back to Charlie Strong era of Texas football. He committed to, to Strong in that 2017 uh, class before Herman got here. So um, he, he's he's one of the, the last links back. Um, you know, he, he's had uh, a couple tough years. It makes sense he would come back. I think 
Last season, he only played four games and then medical redshirted after uh, an injury against Oklahoma State. Um, this year, he won the starting job, which we were all kind of excited for him. Um, and, you know, it, it's uh, he's a guy who, you know, keep keep the, the experience there as we, we talk about young players and wanting to get them reps. You don't want to take away from anyone, but I also will never turn down experienced guys, and I'm excited for another year at Thompson. And, and it seems like he really got Chris Ass's system and took a step up. Uh, this year already, so I'm excited to see a full year with uh, with the coaches with Valai and and Ash and and seeing if he can continue to take another step forward. Yeah, we saw we saw these guys progress mid season where they got a bye week and they seemed to take kind of a big leap forward. They had a bye week and extra week of practice, install some stuff, practice some stuff, and they took a leap. So I think I think seeing a guy like him with another year under Jay Valai, another year under Chris Ash, like I'm really excited to see what this defense looks like in 2021. And so uh, we'll probably expect more guys to make that choice. You know, the seniors do have a choice to make. And so uh, as these things come in, we will we will let you know about them and tell you what our thoughts are uh, throughout the season. So now's the part of the show where we give some shine to all those things that we didn't talk about. Uh, this one is all the non-football thing for the first time in a while. <laughs> and we down the 40. So uh, we did this big preview show last Thursday. We had three <laughs> games to preview. We're like, we got football. We got men's basketball against Baylor. Huge matchup. We got the women against Tennessee. All that got canceled. We That is the second most meaningless show we've ever done. Um, second only to the one that we lost completely. The Kansas original. The, the, the original Kansas one. Full. Like the original Kansas one, we didn't even post because that game got postponed. And then, well, everything got. You know, I think this is actually more worthless because we did three previews. <laughs> so you and might it actually be right. went out. Well, uh, it's, but it's, it comes back to the old saying, Gerald. I think it was either Socrates or, or George Bush, but he said, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you, you ain't. You, you, you ain't gonna. You're not gonna fool me. Um, so you know, Kansas got us twice. They will. They won't get us a third time. I, you could guarantee that. Take that to the bank. Uh, there is a basketball game. Two of them <laughs> on the schedule that could happen. I think Kyle. they. I think they did actually cancel the Kansas women's basketball game. So COVID is, is, is up there. So we hadn't ooh. previewed it yet. So the men's game up against Baylor was canceled. This was Baylor's fault. Got to throw that out there. Baylor's fault. Baylor's fault. Baylor's fault. <laughs> so men's basketball is going to take on Sam Houston State on Wednesday before opening Big Twelve play against Oklahoma State on uh, on Sunday. Clearly, what we saw was Baylor ducking the best team in the Big Twelve. They they saw. Yes. Texas not play their best game and still almost beat, you know, the best coached, uh, most talent returning team in the country in, in Villanova uh, and wanted no part of that that action, that those hands, that that smoke. And therefore, you know, COVID it all over the place to, to get out, which, again, absolutely what what uh, what should happen to Oklahoma, you know, to let us have a rematch with Iowa State. So these self selected COVIDings, we could keep those going. So we've got to say the women's basketball cancellations are Texas's. <laughs> got to say it. So the women had a, their game against Tennessee canceled and their conference game against Kansas rescheduled due to COVID contact tracing issues on the team. But in spite of this, is how good this women's basketball team is in spite of being the cause of not one but two cancellations. They moved up to number 22 in the latest uh, poll. So their next game, they've got a little bit of time to wait. The 21st, December 21st, against Kansas State, a team who, regardless of the sport, Kyle and I will always cheer loud and hard against. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I'm 100% there with you. The fact that the, the women moved up to 22 and the men moved up to number 11 uh, during COVID just shows, shows how silly sports are. They probably both deserve at least those are higher rankings, but um, I don't know. College sports in the era of COVID is just, it's it's nonsensical and maybe the best way or actually the worst way. It just highlights how nonsensical college sports normally are. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's like a multiplier. It's like mm-hmm. college sports make zero sense normally. Let's add all of this other craziness to it. Let's go to the country club, though. Women's tennis, uh, Lulu Soon won the ITF 15K Monastere singles title. Uh, She posted five wins against WTA-ranked opponents en route to her third career ITF singles championship. And then Caitlin Papp, uh, favorite of the show, uh, was at the U.S. Women's Open this weekend. She finished as the top amateur, tied for ninth overall um, with a uh, three over on the weekend, two strokes ahead of the next closest amateur Texas continuing to show that where, uh, where the country club sports are, there come the wins. Gerald, while we may no longer have country club advertisements for uh, casitas, uh, you know, we still excel in all the, the country clubist of, of sports. And I love to see it. Finally, um, in, in kind of seeing some fruits of the, the movement this summer uh, and the requests made from student athletes across sports, the uh, Texas SAAC launched their uh, Developing Neighborhood Athletes DNA Fund. And, and it's a fund that's going to help provide equipment, travel fees, all of that stuff that's expensive for kids um, in lower income areas. For, for those that are participating in sports, gives them that opportunity to, to participate and kind of level the playing field. Field. A lot of uh, youth sports are honestly determined by who has the most money. The best yeah. teams are usually the best um, best funded teams. And so uh, getting those young men and young women uh, in equal footing to really show off and have an opportunity at athletics is really incredible. So I'm excited to see that uh, finally launch. Again, it was part of what Texas um, stood for uh, over the summer. So I'm glad to see the fruits of, of that already uh, coming, coming to uh, bloom. The difference between the two quarterbacks in Friday Night Lights is Michael B. Jordan didn't have his own personal quarterback coach. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's um, I think it's very very cool. We also one of the favorites of the show, Logan Eggleston, is the student uh, athlete advisory committee, the SAC president, and is uh, taking this initiative on. I think they started it last year, but as she's become president, is shepherding this through. Very cool. Love to see the student athletes like living the moniker of both student and athlete and doing a lot of stuff uh, on campus and for the greater community. I think it's very, very cool. That's probably my favorite story uh, of the month so far, so love to see that. Absolutely. Uh, So that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, this is not a speculation corner. This is where I tell you the cold hard facts. Coach Tom Herman has finished, well, I'll say finished. He still has a bowl to go, uh, assuming we play that. Has gotten to the end of his fourth regular season. Now, depending on how he, he, he wins or loses, potentially ties, this bowl game will, will say where he ranks in kind of modernity, let's say post-DKR, uh, Texas Longhorn football greatness, where he ranks in his first four years and maybe where Texas fans need to put some of the expectation. So if he wins the bowl game, uh, assuming again that Texas has it, he will finish, conclude his first four years better than Daryl K. Royal. 
Um, if he ties or loses, he will finish uh, with the same record as John Makovic. Again, pretty pretty good coach. Uh, he he is behind only Mac Brown and Fred Akers, who I don't know if anyone would necessarily put it in that order. Um, but Fred Akers had a 75% winning percentage. Mac Brown a 74. Tom Herman sitting currently at 63. Now, obviously, we know Charlie Strong through his first four was at 43%. Uh, but David McWilliams, 56%. Um, you know, we, we talked about Fred Akers uh who just uh, passed on being, you know, a great Texas coach following DKR and had, you know, a, a great start. Uh, the interesting thing is, is out of playing the tough ones, which is, you know, what you want to win, what matters, Tom Herman actually has uh, a record only surpassed by Fred Akers. He's 9-10 and 10 in 19 uh, games, not, 9 of Daryl Royal, Mac Brown, or anyone uh, in that list could, could come close. So Tom Herman has been... One of the three best wins wise had the second best record against uh, against the top twenty five. And oh, you say okay. The expectation though at Texas is you win the conference. It's conference championships. Mac Brown in his first four had zero. David McWilliams in his first four zero. Obviously, Charlie zero. Um, Daryl K. Royal in his first four had one more than Tom Herman. Fred Akers also won one in his first year. Makovich had two in his first four years. But. Um, if we put some context on this and we take a look, we hired a similar type of guy, right? Daryl Royal had three years before he came UT head coach. Fred Akers had two. David McWilliams, one. John Makovich, seven. Mac Brown was the old head. He had 14 years before Texas hired him. He's the outlier. Charlie Strong, three years. Tom Herman had two years head coach experience before becoming the head coach at Texas. When we look at that, we look at the type of coach we're hiring and we think about what we opened the show with, with Tom Herman is it looks like going to be the coach for 2021, but when the fan base gets riled up again during the middle of next season and the rumors start swirling that X coach is the hot new coach and, and you know, he's going to be the next coach at the university of Texas. Let's just think about what our expectations are, who the people we even think would be the right coach. Um, what that experience looks like, what type of coach we like to hire, what Texas's history looks like. And then, if it happens and there is a change, even if it's next year or 10 years down the line, let's think about what the expectations are for that coach, especially in the beginning, in scope of the University of Texas. I'm not here professionally to defend Tom Herman. That is not my job. I'm just presenting the facts. If you look at the first four years of Tom Herman's coaching, uh, I guess, performance uh, at the University of Texas, it ain't that bad. And admittedly, it's probably better than most. Um, so take that for what you will. I just speak in facts. You know, I, I understand why people are frustrated with Tom Herman. I really do. Um, the lack of development, the lack of players that seemingly uh, hit their ceilings based on the the recruiting rankings that they bring in. Like, I get that. I really, I understand that. And I, I'm honestly one of them in a lot of ways. I think there are a lot of guys that probably can uh, and should have been um, – better than than the way that they left the university. I get that. But as a, as a fan base who has a reputation for being unreasonable, like let's just try being reasonable maybe once. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm too soft. Maybe I'm a sunshine pump or whatever you want to call me, but like we have a reputation. There's a reason why a lot of people don't want to come be the coach in Texas. It's because we're all crazy people. Gerald, can I give a quick rejoinder of why we're maybe sane people? Please. No coach in their four years has gotten five cracks at OU, obviously, Herman being the first. Um, 
in that time, no coach in four years has only won one game uh, in, in, in four years other than Charlie Strong. So there is a reason. If, if Herman just beat OU a little bit more, people wouldn't be so mad. It's kind of easy. If you win eight games, you better dang sure make sure one of them is OU. Like, that's that's the secret, guys. Just just remember that, head coaches. Just beat OU. A lot of this would have been avoided if Texas could have capitalized on three first-half turnovers from OU in that game. Uh, my, my bang the drum this week is pretty simple. National Signing Day is tomorrow as you're listening to this podcast. Remember that these are 17-year-olds. As you fire up the Twitter machine to tweet at recruits that may or may not choose the University of Texas, remember that they are 17-year-olds. I have a fairly blanket don't tweet at recruits. You'll see us retweet stuff about recruits. You'll see us respond positively when recruits uh, that are coming to the University of Texas um, do great things. We have been really all over Jonathan Brooks on our Twitter because um, when was the last time you saw a kid from Hallettsville make it big? My dad was a circuit pastor in Hallettsville, went to church with six people on various Sundays. So I love seeing a kid from Hallettsville who turns out may be a diamond in the rough for Texas hashtag kid ran for 2,000 yards this year. But remember that these are 17-year-olds who are really having one of the best one or two days of their life. They're achieving lifelong dreams. This is a thing that every kid that plays football, that straps on a helmet ever, dreams of doing is signing with a college team. So remember that when you're trying to fire off your takes, you're pissy about a kid not choosing Texas. I get it. I'm frustrated too. You should see Kyle in my thread back and forth <laughs> on national signing day. We're happy. We're sad. We're mixed feelings, whatever. Right. But uh, you should have seen it when the kid from Clemens picked Georgia. You should see it. Our alma mater kid from alma mater <laughs> went to Georgia. Uh, Kyle and I Tommy were both Bush. upset. We were both upset, but you know what we didn't do? We didn't tweet at the kid. Don't tweet at recruits period. End of sentence. Don't tweet at recruits. Mean text your friends about them is what I took from that, Gerald. And I think that's about about right. I think you hit the nail effectively uh, on the head. If you all don't have group texts with your friends that are places to vent, I think that could solve a lot of our nation's problems. Some of the things you say with your outside voice, you should say with your inside voice in the sanctity of a group chat with your friends. It's okay to vent to them. Um, but, but yeah, don't don't go and shout at the 17-year-olds. At the I mean... The hat ceremonies are ridiculous. I get it. Um, recruiting, covering it is one of the most ridiculous exercises and folly in human history. But we love it and we engage in it and we do it because, by God, it, it's fun and it leads to the, the, the nirvana and the highs of uh, Mary Maliksmith and Happy Bajonica. You know, it's uh, some of the greatest days uh, of our program of the past 10 years were some of these recruits we got. Hopefully that will change the next 10 when we, we maximize what they do. And, and just signing for Texas isn't the highlight of their Texas career. Um, but uh, for all of those who don't sign for Texas, we do hope that this will be the highlight of their career. And it'll never get better for them. And they will have terrible force of years. But we won't tweet that at them. That's all we've got for you this week. Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can also follow my shadow account, Tweets at Cruits, where I tweet at Cruits, but don't tell you about it. Um, but yeah, what are those? You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter 
at Longhorn Pod. Follow us on one of the various government cheese websites where we also tweet <laughs> at other coaches that don't come to Texas. No, I'm just joking. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic, uh, Instagram at Longhorn Republic. Uh, we would love to see you on any of those social media platforms. Share this with your friends wherever you found it. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Happy National Signing Day.